I'm Dr. Rachel Griffiths, and I'm with my father and business partner in aquatics. Dr. Tom Griffiths. Welcome to The Drowning Files, where each week we share a lawsuit we've been involved in or another true story with suggestions to learn from these tragedies to save lives. What case do we have today? Well, this is a case about a well-run swimming pool with a lot of proactive prevention strategies in place. Uh, this pool identified non-swimmers through a uh, swim test. They placed wristbands on the non-swimmers as an extra layer of protection. And they did what you and I recommend, Rachel, is putting a lifeline between two and a half and three feet of water um, and instructed the non-swimmers to stay behind that buoy line. And so this child uh, went to the pool. He was a six-year-old boy and he got into the water by the steps. All the non-swimmers hung out at the steps and they were told to stay inside um, the buoyed line, the, the waiting area, if you will. And who did he go to the pool with? His parents sent him as a part of a day camp. Um, so no, no parents were really at the pool at all. The day camp was what we say is in loco parentis. The day camp counselors and lifeguards were in place of the parents. Do you so, know if it was a big day camp or a smaller day camp? Um, it was a well-established day camp in New England. Um, how big it is, I, I, I just never knew that fact. Um, but um, it was a day camp, again, where they had a lot of uh, prevention strategies in place. And they also had three lifeguards on duty, and the lifeguards were all in college. And the three lifeguards that were on duty all had more than one lifeguard certification. I believe they had um, the, the basic American Red Cross lifeguarding certificate and uh, the open water module that you can obtain in addition to the basic certification. And I believe one or two was also certified by either Ellis or the YMCA, as I recall. And they were on duty at the time. And there was no video surveillance. Uh, there were no witnesses. All we know is that this poor child even though he was identified as a non-swimmer, even though he wore an identifying wristband as an extra layer of protection, somehow, some way, he got into water over his head and drowned. And again, this is with uh, prior swim testing and with three lifeguards on duty. This case was somewhat unusual because the camp settled with the parents right away and they gave them a very large award um, because this child who was going to the day camp drowned on their watch, if you will. But the un unusual twist to this case was in this particular state, the law is that lifeguards are child care providers. So I've never seen this before in all of my 40 years of experience, but the Division of Child and Family Services 
sued the lifeguards, all three women, in a criminal case and said that they neglected this child and that's why he drowned. And so that went to a judge with a hearing and family health services were saying why these three girls basically killed this kid and that they were negligent and that this would be a felony and put on their record. And, and so the information was presented to the, uh, the judge. And the hard thing about this case for the three lifeguards who were on duty was that once the judge heard all of the information from family and health services and from the defense lawyers for the lifeguards, the judge took a year to say that, to make his decision and say that the women weren't guilty of child neglect. And so you really had two cases in one. One was a civil case and one was a criminal case. The payout was quick to the parents, but the case that involved the three college women dragged on for over a year and they and their parents didn't know how this was going to affect their career because they were all in education. All three of them were going to be school teachers. They were graduating seniors and they had to wait a year for this to uh, take place. And so uh, that's the story that I have. And what suggestions would you have for parent caregivers in this case? Well, this is tough. Uh, this is very difficult because this summer and other summers, we've seen several, several cases of parents sending their kid to day camp for the day, like a nine to four, nine to three, all day with many different activities, a lot of counselors. And the parents, 95% of the time, are told to drop the child off. And when they drop that child off, they're in the control of the owners, the operators of the camp, the counselors and the lifeguards. And the child that I spoke about just a few minutes ago slipped through the cracks. And so what do the parents do? That's your question. What can the parents do? Um, it would be helpful if the parents could go to the day camp and watch the swimming aspect. Um, if it's a weak swimmer or non-swimmer, they should bring a life jacket with them and say that I've sized my child in this life jacket. This is the life jacket he or she should be wearing. They're used to it. Um, and alert everyone that they're a non-swimmer. Have a life jacket. If at all possible, attend the swimming portion of that daily schedule. Yeah, I think parents, and I've said this many times before, but just need to be aware if swimming activities um, are going to be included in a camp and decide if that's something that they are comfortable with if you don't have a confident swimmer. So um, if, if they're a non-swimmer and you're okay sending them with these other people's, under these other people's care, um, I would also make sure they allow life jackets and that you can put them in a life jacket. I hate to say, but one of the um, most tragic things I've heard, it was one of my first um, aquatic conferences more than 10 years ago, was a father who 
brought a life jacket with his child to camp, uh, dropped off his child, said, here's his, here's his life jacket. The camp said life jackets are not allowed and his child did end up drowning. Um, so this isn't to say that it, there's no way to prevent it and every, it's not to um, be a fear tactic or um, make this too terrifying, but it is good to have awareness if water activities are gonna be included and if your child can't swim to ensure that you're comfortable um, allowing them to be around the water because we can't always rely on supervision. So um, I would either want to be there and or make sure that they're allowed to wear a life jacket. Right. I would also recommend that the parent ask for swim lessons. One of the reasons why non-swimmers end up drowning in this type of activity, whether it be a day camp or a school activity, is, is a whole mix of children are in the pool at the same time from very good swimmers to mediocre swimmers to non-swimmers. And so I think parents should ask, do, will you teach my child how to swim? Can you get a group of non-swimmers together and give them lessons for that day? I think that would be a safer way to approach the swimming portion of the day camp is have pool time for the kids who can swim and have swim lesson time for the kids who can't. That's my suggestion. And did you say there were a bunch of these happening day camp drownings this summer? This, this summer of um, 2023, there have been several. Um, and as you know, we can't talk about this case, but you and I are working on a case um, that is ongoing. And so there are numerous and it's for parents it's, it's your worst case scenario it's your worst nightmare when you send your child to a supervised activity not only with counselors but with lifeguards on duty and as we've mentioned before and we'll repeat this is sometimes when you have counselors and lifeguards unless you get them working as a team as a one-two punch for safety Sometimes the counselors relax when they see the lifeguards and the lifeguards relax when they see the counselors. So um, any organized pool group, school, day camp, whatever, um, has to get the counselors, the chaperones and the lifeguards all on the same page. So they're all watching the water. Yeah. So the day camp should make sure that um, the lifeguards have a safety plan in place and then vice versa that the um, counselors uh, know the rules of the pool, ideally have swim tests and life jackets um, and so that everyone's on board with the group use policy. Any other suggestions for aquatics professionals? Well, yeah, um, this reminds me at, the, at our outdoor pool at Penn State, which was a public pool, the public was allowed in, not just faculty, staff and students. And it was a big, fancy outdoor pool, 50 meters with 10 meter tower. But many daycare, uh, day camps would come to our outdoor pool and we would have an orientation for the counselors. And the requirement was when it was swim time, when their children and their little groups, they formed little groups of six or eight kids, when their group, when it was their turn to go in the water rather than playing games on the lawn, 
then the counselor had to stand up, stand up at the edge of the water at poolside. And so you had lifeguards on duty, stationed appropriately in elevated stands and walking the pool deck. But then the counselor with a different uniform on, regardless of the day camp that they were working for, stood with their toes on the edge of the pool watching their kids. They weren't on the lawn. They weren't in the lounge chair letting the lifeguards do it alone. So that's what we did at Penn State. And I, and I think that would be helpful for day camp, day camp people and pools that host day camps. Thank you for listening to this week of The Drowning Files. Be sure to tune in next week where we have an all new case with an all new topic.